0: Hi everybody, welcome to episode 3 of Input Output. As always... I'm here with my friend Vince, and we're going to talk about music tonight. Uh, Vince, um, <laughs> to uh, to badly paraphrase the film War Games, would you like to play a game? <laughs> uh,
1: uh, I don't know what... Um, what uh, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Savage, right? Is that War Games?
0: <laughs> no, no you're thinking Matthew... No, you're thinking Matthew Broderick.
1: Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yep. All right. Which one is fresh? Are you confusing
0: Savage's? the wizard?
1: Yeah, the there, wizard. You, there you go. Yep. <laughs> yep.
0: Sorry. When I was a, a lad, I went to go see the wizard in the theater because they were, I was promised a scenes from Super Mario Brothers Three. Yes. In that movie, I remember. And it that. took till like the last five minutes to get it, and I was not pleased. <laughs> a young, a young Jenny Lewis.
2: That's right. The co-star right. of that
0: film.
1: That's right. Wow.
0: All right, so uh, Vince and I have texted multiple times about one Weird Al Yankovic and how we both have a soft spot in our hearts for (laughs) Mr. Yankovic, and so this is my game. So uh, Weird Al just announced that he is uh, the new band leader on the television program Comedy Bang Bang, and he's going to be playing the Hollywood Bowl this summer. Those are both big deals, so I figure we'll we'll celebrate Weird Al with a game tonight. So you get to pick here, Vince. Would you rather me give you the name of the Weird Al song and you have to tell me what song he's parodying or give you the name of the song and tell me the Weird Al parody?
1: Um, Give me the name of the song and I'll I'll tell you the parody.
0: Okay. There are 15 questions here. I'm putting one minute on the clock.
1: For, for all 15? We're
0: see, for all 15, yeah. Okay. We're going to see how many you can get in one minute. Okay, Are you ready? Yes. All right, and remember, uh, saying pass is not a bad thing.
1: Oh, okay. Because right. that will
0: that will move you along faster than if you sit there trying to you know stress about it. Okay. Yes. And here we go. Money for nothing.
1: Uh, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies.
0: Correct. Living on the edge. Living in the fridge. Correct. I want it that way.
1: Uh, I I uh, something on eBay.
0: Uh, it's just called eBay. That's correct. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, living in America
1: um living with a hernia <laughs>
0: yep one week
1: um uh uh it's uh Jerry Springer
0: correct <laughs> mm, mm,
1: mm, mm. um headline news
0: correct rico suave
1: taco grande <laughs>
0: correct it's all about the benjamins
1: it's all about the Pentiums.
0: i think we're alone now
1: i think i'm a clone now
0: i want a new drug
1: i uh, something uh, doc um
0: I need a I need an answer.
1: Uh, I want a new duck.
0: Correct. You can't touch this.
1: I uh, can't watch this.
0: Correct. Pretty fly for a white guy.
1: Pretty fly for a rabbi. Uh,
0: and that's time. You got twelve. That's good.
1: Damn. That's Give me good. the other ones.
0: I will. I will. Um, <laughs> Eye of the Tiger.
1: Uh, Ry or the Kaiser, the theme from Rocky Eight. Th-
0: uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. Close. Okay. Okay. Uh, Waterfalls.
1: Uh, Phony Calls.
0: And finally, MacArthur Park.
1: Uh, Jurassic Park.
0: Very good. I'm impressed.
1: <laughs> I'm a big owl head.
0: Oh, so am I. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I, th- I, th- I told you that would be fun.
1: Yeah, that was great.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, now that we've uh, well, let's let's talk about Weird Al for one second. Um, what's your favorite Weird Al song? If you had to just pick one, uh, it could be original, it could be a parody. Uh, what's your favorite? Owl Jam.
1: Uh, I've got a real soft spot um, for Yoda.
3: Well, I won't forget what Yoda said. He said, Luke, stay away from the darker side. And if you start to go astray, let the Force be your guide.
2: Oh, my Yoda. Yo, 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 Yoda. I know Darth Vader's really got you annoyed. But remember, if you kill him, then you'll be unemployed. Oh, my Yoda.
1: kinks Mm -hmm. parody um yeah like as a kid i was such a star wars fan that like yoda just spoke to me Mm -hmm. and i bet i knew yoda before i knew the song lola you know i think i think
0: for a lot of us we learned about pop culture through the lens of weird al like i would never have heard living in america probably if it wasn't for living with a hernia or rocky four but you know um yeah, I agree. My favorite is actually not one of his parodies. It's a uh it's it, you know, it, it's a parody in the style of the Beach Boys. Ammo. It's trigger happy.
2: We'll get all liquored up and shoot at anything that moves. Got a brand new semi-automatic weapon with a laser sight. Should be kill now. should kill Oh I'm praying somebody tries to break in here tonight. Should to kill now a magnum in my trunk you better ask yourself that you feel lucky punk because i'm Trigger happy Trigger happy, happy every day yeah. Trigger, happy, happy
1: i happy that was the best guy. oh he's great um he's great what's your favorite album
0: um this is tough even worse is really good mm-hmm. even worse has um Oh, it's, I. I purposely met here. Bonus question. I meant to give you this one, and I forgot to put it in the list. Uh, this song is just six words long. What's that a parody? of? Oh,
1: it's uh, it's the it's a George Harrison song. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Got my mind set on you. Got my mind yeah. set on you. Yeah, yeah. But it has that one has fat, which is you know an undeniable classic. Mm-hmm. It has. I think I'm a clone now. It has. Um, uh, I believe it has. His, oh, that's another good one—the uh, Alimony, the Moni Moni uh, parody. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I believe that's on even worse. I also really like Off the Deep End, which has Smells Like Nirvana and Trigger Happy and um, Taco Grande and a few other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. classics. Well, what about you? What's your favorite?
1: Um, uh, my favorite is probably Running with Scissors. Okay. Um, I know. I that's that's like. After he shaved the mustache and everything, yeah. But uh, (laughs) uh, uh, that one—that one has the best mix for my tastes of um, parody songs and original songs. Um, Like I think, like I like all the original songs on that album just as much as all the parodies, which um, is rare
0: for his stuff.
1: Yeah, for me anyway. I know there's some people that are al purists you know that seem to like his originals more but um
0: then that has albuquerque on it which is yes yeah you know insane (laughs) that's right oh man there are some parodies on this i would have totally put like a grapefruit diet (laughs) Yep, i remember that one and uh it has the, the saga begins which uh, rumor has it he wrote that based on internet rumors about the uh Force Awakens that I had Is that and, right? And only had to change like a couple little things to uh to actually facilitate it after it was after it was done. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh,
3: the council was impressed of course. Could he bring balance
2: to the forces?
0: He is the best, yeah. So, moving on from Weird Al Yankovic, <laughs> let's Yankovic, uh, let's talk about tonight's album. What is tonight's album, Vince?
1: Uh, tonight's album is uh, Ty Seagal. Is it Seagal or Seagal?
0: I have no idea.
1: I always say Seagal. But... We'll go with that for
0: tonight. We'll okay. go with Seagull.
1: All right. <laughs> like, like Steven Seagal. Like Steven Seagal, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, emotional Mugger.
0: Now, are you? were you... I mean, obviously, this isn't the first Thai record you've heard. Um, how far back does your relationship with him go?
1: Um, I mean, I think I've heard everything that he's done, but um, but I want to say that his last album, which I believe was in two thousand eleven or twelve.
0: It's oh. been a little bit of time, which is odd because he turned out so many in a row. Yeah, he's got like eight albums. Uh, no, I'm sorry, albums. Manipulator was in fourteen.
1: Oh, was it? Was it? Oh, was it really that recent? Yeah. 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 I think that's when I first heard him. But then, you know, since then I've gone back and, and listened to everything that he's done. I, I'm I'm really a big fan of his.
0: Yeah, His name was one of those names that would pop up in conversation a lot of times between musicians or uh, critics that I respected, but I had never really sought out too much until I think it was the same record, Manipulator. But where when I really sort of fell for his music was, I'm a pretty huge fan of Michael Cronin, who plays bass in his band. Mm. And yeah. Cronin's three solo albums are me I mean, I, especially MC2, his second one, that album is, is huge for me.
3: I won't admit it, but my time is running low. I'm getting closer to the door.
0: When I started to realize the connection there, then I went back and gave uh, Segal more of a, more of a chance, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, how would you describe this music to somebody who's never really maybe heard of Ty? I feel like with with Eleanor Friedberger's music, it was pretty straightforward and everybody knows Bowie. But you know, how would you sort of describe Segal to like you know your lady friend or you know a coworker who wants to hear about it?
1: Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think. Um... The easiest, the easiest thing to say is, is, um, like psychedelic garage rock. It's probably the, those are probably words that get lumped in with him yeah. quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that's wrong. Like, I think that's a pretty apt description for what he does.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, another thing, another thing I like to say is like, for, like freak out music, like when he does his guitar solos it's like a psychedelic freak out yes. you know um yeah. so that that that's a good descriptor too for what
2: he does it.
0: I would you know i guess you could kind of put it broadly under the indie rock garage rock you know umbrella i think psychedelic rock makes a lot of sense i also think there's elements of like lo-fi music in there you know his, his recordings are a little bit more um uh higher fidelity now but they're still they're raw i mean there's not uh you know there's not really too much production sheen on this album it, it, it's pretty raw and straightforward um Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I think that there's a really interesting mix in his music of sort of lots of different influences. But when they when they come together, they all kind of sound like like him. You know, um, the album is pretty diverse in terms of if you listen to it track by track. There's there's some stuff that is real straight ahead guitar rock. There's a weird um, like sound collage with the penultimate track, and yet there's an eddie grant cover on there (laughs) yeah which is actually that's one of my favorite songs i think that is my favorite that's my favorite or my second favorite i can't decide yeah diversion Uh, Um, diversion yeah you know but all of it still sounds like him It sounds diverse, but it doesn't sound uh, scatterbrained. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a. Um, there's there's some there's some thematic through lines that uh, mm-hmm. that go through it uh, lyrically, you know, as well as sonically. Um. Do we want to get into that now? Or. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. So something that is like like really obvious in all in you know, most of these songs, I think is this idea of like candy or cheap. He uses the, he uses candy a lot as a metaphor, almost
0: almost every song, almost (laughs) in
1: every song. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, and, and, and a lot of imagery about like, you know, West coast, uh, cheap thrills, just like your classic, like Hollywood excess or indulgence, you know, or like, Mm -hmm. Um, just this idea of like West coast drug culture, I think, is that, do you get that from it?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, it's funny because the word candy is used so many times that at first I thought, okay, candy is a reference to cocaine, but then I was like, no, it's being used so much. It's not you can't they can't you can't be talking about cocaine in almost every song. But the yeah. more I listen to it, I think it might be about cocaine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Or just this general idea of like, um, something that you're
0: like a forbidden substance. Yeah, yeah. Not like, even forbidden. Um,
1: f- well, um, taboo. Taboo, or just like, just like. Cheap and and unfulfilling or like temporary or like, um, you know, excess. You know, like yeah, yeah. You you. Know, I think we've said it a lot of different ways. Now. Yeah, I, um, I mean,
0: like it's interesting. So on California Hills, the first line is "I miss the candy queens," mm-hmm. and then we get on um. Let's see. On emotional mugger, I am an emotion I am emotional mugger, like a bag of candy. On Breakfast Eggs, Candy, I want your candy. <laughs> On uh Mandy Cream, heard you screaming Candy Sam. On Candy Sam, Candy Sam, <laughs> I want some, I want fun, Candy Man in my hand, Candy Sam. You know, there's there's a there's just so much there. Yeah. Um and I, I do think sort of the idea of ultimately unfulfilling Temporarily pleasing, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, cheap satisfaction. And, uh, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, which you know, if if you want to think about what emotional mugger might mean, it's it's you know, something something that maybe robs your emotions or takes control of your emotions for a brief period of time, or or a sudden a sudden occurrence you know Um, right but that's yeah and that's that's pretty much a through line through this whole album and another thing that kind of is along those same lines um that i've actually heard him talk about in regards to this album is the idea that we live in an instant gratification culture you know right Mm -hmm. and how like every apparently he sent out like a V a VHS tape to announce the album
0: said said it's pitchfork, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he he said he did that because like nowadays everything is on the internet and you don't have to seek anything out anymore. You know, it's basically there for you, which, um, I'm of two minds on that. If we want to get like, (laughs) if we want to get into the idea of, of the internet age, which is something that, that musicians, uh, like to um talk about a lot in their music you know and and most of them seem to have negative opinions of it you know (laughs) i would say
0: yeah let's let's get into that
1: yeah for one i think they make a lot of good points about instant gratification and whether we appreciate things or whether we look at art the same way because everything's available on the internet you know um at the same time, I find it really corny sometimes when, uh, when another musician shows up in the year 2015 or 2016 and goes, uh, gee, you know, I think the internet might be bad. You guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and thankfully on this album, it's not so overt. Like yeah. he talked about that a lot in the, uh, lead up to the album's release, but nothing on here is, is, um, is, uh, as overt as say like Damon Albarn's everyday robots, you know, right, where yes. like, they're telling you like, Oh, yeah. you're a robot. Cause you use your cell phone, you know?
0: Um, uh, I mean, I, I'm of two minds about the whole thing too. You know, part of me feels like, and we briefly touched on this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the idea of having so much music at our fingertips now. You know, like um, we were talking about the Eleanor Friedberger record and saying that, you know, whether it would make our top 30 or not and how we just listen to so much more music today that it's hard to to know what's going to be – what's going to stick with you, you know. And I think in some ways it is kind of a bummer that artists put just as much time and effort into making an album today, but, you know, maybe we're only hearing it one time. Right. Instead of hearing it the 15 times we'd have heard it ahead of time. Or like I remember even – uh, being in high school or middle school, when you know a new band, a band's new album would come out, and one of my friends would buy it, but not all of us would buy it, and so we'd all go to Jeff's house to listen to the new Pearl Jam album or whatever, and just sure. that experience of sitting around and listening to something because it wasn't so it, there wasn't that instant access to it, and uh, you know I, I wonder sometimes uh, you know what sort of music I'd be into if I was born in two thousand two instead of nineteen eighty two you know, uh, what my experience music would be like. Would I even have the same value of music? Would it just seem like this thing that's always been free or very, very cheap or, or would I value it in the same way? I really don't know the answer to that.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's and, and, and I, I can't say that I do either. Um, but I will say this, and I've been thinking about this a lot since I started listening to this album, um, when I was when I there were thing there are things that I've seen when I was younger, like Christmas specials of old TV shows, or like even commercials. Like there are commercials that I remember from my youth and no matter what I search, like I can't find them uh-huh. today. And nobody will ever have that problem again. You know?
2: <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Like, we've reached a point where you can see any commercial that you ever want, to, you know, and that's a really dumb example to use, but...
0: No, it's a perfect example to use. Yeah. Like, my my thing, I've talked about this a few times with some friends, when I was in middle school, I was obsessed with Aerosmith. Okay. That was, like, the band that first really spoke to me. Uh, the older stuff more than the newer stuff, but, like, it was the first music that my parents didn't like that I liked, uh, let's put it that way. Sure. And so um, the guitarist Brad Whitford had a solo album in 80 or 81 with this guy. Wait, uh, Bradley he...
1: Whitford from the West Wing?
0: Yes, exactly. Okay. Bradley from the West, West Wing. He had an album with the former Ted Nugent singer Derek St. Holmes. And I'd only heard about this album. This is pre-internet. Wait, from in Spinal my... Tap? <laughs> no, that's uh, Derek St. Holmes. Um...
1: I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm just
0: Jerix Hubbins. Yes. No, 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 but I, I I had to get it then. He's the patron saint of quality shoe wear, uh, quality <laughs> footwear rather. Um but so I had, I had read about this album in a book. It was pre-internet. I went to the record store that I eventually wound up working at and I asked the guy if he could order it for me. He could. I had to pay for it in advance. It was a special order. I knew nothing of it. I got it and it was fucking terrible. I mean, that's not a surprise it'd be terrible, but it's fucking terrible. And, um, like, that never happened Yeah. Now, no, if you, if you totally hear about right. an album, you go on either YouTube will have it if it's out of print or Apple Music or Spotify or even just go to iTunes and sample the songs and say, oh, I don't want to hear this anymore. You know, I, I paid, like, 15 American dollars sight unseen for an album that I've never listened to again.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know,
0: that's just – that's that's an experience that is not a good thing. But then again, I feel like when you did have that album, you'd seek out that experience you'd really work for. When it was satisfying, it felt like it was a part of you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great way of putting it. And actually that
0: makes me see
1: that side better. Okay. Um. So I, I – yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. I just wonder – I don't think I would ever trade the ability to have anything that I wanted or needed at my fingertips for having stuff be rarer, you know. Like,
0: I'm glad I, I'm glad my life straddled both eras.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of I I guess I kind of feel like that too, although um it's I, I mean, there's 5 different 5 years difference between us. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what I remember is is more available, whereas I think even that five years probably puts a lot of what you remember from being a kid, yeah, um, a little further away.
0: Um, and, and I also think that you had the benefit of having an older brother who yeah. probably introduced you to stuff. I I had an older cousin who I, I'm still close with, who, um, you know, who introduced me to some stuff, but it it wasn't necessarily cool stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. He he loved Def Leppard. Let's put it that way. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, you know, but I, it's interesting. I, this album to me sounds a lot like somebody who did spend time digging through crates in record stores or hearing, you know, local bands. It sounds to me very much like somebody who listened to a lot of different types of music and then synthesized it into something that is that is very much their own.
1: Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Um, And yet sounds like it could be of any era, if you ask yeah. me. You know, yep. like, like, it definitely sounds like probably a lot like what he m- may have listened to when he was younger, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet nobody else is making music quite like it right now. I mean, I guess here's the thing what i th- that i think about like s- so co- so-called like psych rock um garage rock type stuff mm-hmm. is that a lot of it can easily sound god, this is such an awful like it can it can sound like lazy or tossed off not lazy but like e- easy or more mindless I, I don't know how to put it but like Um, you know, they're, they're obviously not being as precise from like a production standpoint Mm -hmm. as a lot of musicians are, but I don't think that's the case for, for Ty. Like I, I'm really impressed with the way his albums are produced, like in addition to just his like guitar virtuosity, you know?
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, there's a difference between something sounding, something sounding tossed off because... They want to capture the spontaneity of the moment and not overwork it, or sounding tossed off because their equipment is poor, or whatever. I think his albums sound exactly how he wants them to sound.
2: Yeah.
0: And if, if that happens to be less uh, pristine than others, I think that's totally intentional. Yeah. And that's good.
1: Yeah, for sure. This album sounds really good, loud. Yes it does. I don't, I don't know if you, yeah. <laughs> it's um I have a uh I just set up a surround sound system in my basement and everything and I've hooked my um turntable up to it and, and I actually really wanna I listen to this on Apple Music, but I, I really want to get the vinyl and spin it on that and turn it way up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so let's talk about some more of our favorite songs from the album. Yeah, sure. Uh, I really like uh California Hills, Californian Hills, the second song on the
3: album. Mm-hmm.
0: It's it's the first time on the album where you hear him kind of um like you contort his voice in a bit. Yeah. He sings the line sound the Dionysus bell and he kind of he puts this nasal kind of inflection <laughs> in his voice. But it's like it's a really cool little uh little like affectation he throws on his voice. I'll And I think he does, I think actually his vocals from track to track sometimes sound quite different. His yes. his his voice is quite malleable and um I really enjoy the way he uses it on California Hills. Um what are some of the what's a song that stands out to you? Yeah, so so that's definitely one of them. Um I particularly
1: love the guitar solo at the end.
0: Uh uh-huh. um, yeah.
1: There are a lot of these songs where he like you know, the first three quarters of it will be um you know whatever the song is and then the last quarter is just like him freaking out on the guitar you know (laughs) and this is one of them and i think it's the i think it's probably the most successful version of that sound structure song structure that he has on the album you know As we already talked about, the uh, the Eddie Mm -hmm. Grant song. Um, I think it's the catchy. It's simultaneously one of the heaviest songs on the album. Like the beginning is really heavy. Yeah. And then yet it's one of the catchiest. Like you can get that song stuck in your head.
0: Oh, it's been in my head for about a week now.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like the the na 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 parts, and you know it's 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 and then again there's this like big crunchy guitar solo freak out at the end. Um, that I For just- those that
0: don't know, Eddie Grant is the, uh, the, the guy behind Electric Avenue. <laughs> yeah. Oh no!
2: Oh no! Oh no! We're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. Oh, we're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue.
0: You know, it's a name that maybe you're not all that familiar with, but he's he's actually a pretty well respected reggae artist. Oh, that
1: that I didn't know.
0: Yeah, um, he sort of uh, broke through. I want to say with Electric Avenue. In like, you know, that was sort of after he had already had this career as a relatively well respected musician, and he's still out there playing to this day. Um, But yeah, he. uh, It's interesting. This is now the second performer that I really enjoy to reference him there's a song on the most recent Pixies album Indies Indie Cindy uh, Frank black essentially says that there he he's mimicking the vocal pattern of of uh of Eddie Grant in it ah. <laughs> And so that's, uh, you know, you, you really can't tell unless I heard him in an interview kind of sing the line and then sing an Eddie Grant line. It's like, oh, okay, now I understand how that fits. But it's it's really, it's kind of a weird connection. So it's odd that two musicians in 2015, 2016 are referencing Eddie Grant.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that is, that's interesting. Um, that might be one to dive into if I ever get a chance. Um,
0: to Eddie Grant? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I I am not necessarily a big uh, reggae fan.
1: Yeah, I'm not either. But you know, someone someone who clearly has so much influence, I think, is worth probably giving oh, yeah. giving a listen to.
0: Yeah, and there there is some reggae that I really enjoy. But you know, what I always say is, I, I, it, every genre for me needs somebody to like kick the door down for me. Yeah. And be like, this is why re- this is why Blank is really good. And no one has done that with me for reggae yet. Maybe Eddie Grant's the guy. Maybe. 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 Maybe you'll rock on to Electric Avenue. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> hey, guys. Brian popping in here with a, uh, a little correction of sorts. We talk about Eddie Grant being a reggae artist. Well, he certainly did record some reggae. His career is much more diverse than that and much more diverse than I knew. Uh, the song we're talking about, Diversion, was from his band The Equals, which was a band that formed in England in the late '60s and was one of the first biracial groups of the time, and were uh, quite popular in England actually. And uh, this is an Equals song, and it's really really good. And Vince and I talked about you know digging into Eddie Grant discography perhaps, and I've already uh, sought after, sought out a couple of Equals records because. I really do enjoy this. And so uh, Eddie Grant, not just a reggae artist, uh, we uh, were woefully ignorant about that, and I'm glad we're not anymore. Here is a little bit of their version of Diversion, and then back to the podcast. One, two, three, four.
1: i wanted to mention was actually the opener squealer
3: because
1: mm-hmm. um, i'm pretty sure he plays a theremin on it is that what he might is that what he's doing near the end <laughs> it kind of it at the end it again, sounds it, like it yeah certainly. yeah so so i <laughs> that was really interesting um are you familiar with uh with liam finn at all yes yeah so he plays the theremin on stage and like i saw him open for eddie vetter once like okay like a decade ago or something and uh and he was up there, like, playing this theremin and just, like, moving it back and forth and making all these weird sounds. And I was like, what the... Like, what are you, a wizard? <laughs> <laughs> and... uh and then I, you know, I found out what that instrument was. And so now whenever I hear it in a song, like, it always stands out to me.
0: Like um, in Good Vibrations?
1: Yeah, right. Yep, yep, <laughs> um, uh, So, yeah, that was another one I wanted to mention. Um, but, but... Uh, the the great thing about this album is that nothing i don't think any songs really stand out too much from any other ones like i think there's a really consistent sound on this album and it's only 38 minutes long so it's like a relatively brisk
0: yeah listen it's like a perfect length of an album for me it is yeah and it's like, like b- b- between 10 and th- between 9 and 13 songs in like 32 and 42 minutes. That's like, that's my sweet spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the only song I think that really stands out is the penultimate track, W-U-O-T-W-S, which is like the, <laughs> the sound collage, uh, which is, you know, little bits of songs kind of fading in and out and some feedback and things. Which, you know, I understand why it's there. It, I, I could do without that song, personally. It'd be 35 minutes at that point in the album. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know it's okay, but I, I that actually precedes, if not my favorite song on the album, the second favorite song, which is the magazine, the last song on the album. Um, yeah, I really like the keyboards on that song. I think it's it's one of the darker sounding songs on the album. Uh, if you listen to the lyrics, it sounds like it's about somebody like flipping through a magazine. It's nothing, all that, uh, complex. But for whatever reason, the the combination of the the keyboards and the hand claps on that song just give it a real sinister, real, um, it's a vibe I really enjoy. Like that song quite a bit. Um, You mentioned that you know we both mentioned diversion and California Hills. I also think that um, the sort of three, four, five on the album, the emotional mugger slash leopard priestess into breakfast eggs into diversion, is a really nice um, like run of songs there. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're right in terms of the songs not necessarily standing out. That there's a there's a consistency to it. And I wonder, you know, we talked last week about, or two weeks ago, about the um, Eleanor Friedberger album being a little bit samey, and I could see people leveling that same criticism at this album. Sure. I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that that, that there are parts of it that sound similar. I think it's nice that there's a cohesive sound to it. Yeah. But I could see somebody saying, oh, this all sounds the same.
1: Yeah, um, I can too, and I think... I think for an artist like him, it's the sound you expect, you know?
0: Yes. And I don't
1: necessarily want him to, I mean, I want him to do whatever he wants to do, you know, like he's the artist, he's the talented one, you know? Mm Hmm. But if I'm going to pick up a Thai Seagal album or Seagal, it doesn't, Seagal doesn't sound right anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You ever have that? where like, you say something so often and then you're like, no, you like the 10th time. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Um, like, I don't necessarily want his album to sound any different than this, you know? Right, right. Whereas there are other albums where you want to hear, um, like Ween, you want to hear them try every genre
0: in the book, you know?
1: Yes, you do.
2: Like a Japanese cowboy
3: Or a brother on skates Like a blizzard in Georgia Or a train
2: running late I call out your name, girl
3: In the heat of the night And nobody answers Cause something ain't right Breakfast at Shawnee's At 2.99
2: Save me some money but with him, not necessarily,
1: and so I, I really appreciate the cohesion on all of his albums. Really, um,
0: it's interesting that we're talking about this because there was a band when I was in college. I went to college in Pittsburgh. There was a band called The Clarks that was a Pittsburgh band that had a little bit of regional success, and everybody loved The Clarks, and I hated The Clarks, um, and not just because I was like you know some shitty college radio kid who was who thought he was better than everybody else. It just it didn't appeal to me, and I used to always say that. All their songs sounded the same, and all of them put me to sleep.
2: (laughs) You are so true, dirty, soft, and hard. You are close to me, and you're so.
0: And I feel like this stuff, is, first of all, I don't think it all sounds the same. I think it just takes a more discerning ear sometimes to tell the difference in these songs. You know, it's not like it's the same melody at all. There's a lot of different sounds in this music. There's just a consistency of production and sort of these sonic through lines that go through it. Um, but I think that with all these songs, they're all just so well crafted and so well put together that, that the, the, the same Z argument doesn't really stick with me.
1: Sure, yeah, and I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, we have a little treat for uh, the listeners now. Uh, there's a, an emotional mugger hotline you can call, <laughs> and I recorded the call so we could put it on here so here, folks, enjoy the uh, the emotional mugger hotline.
3: You've reached the emotional mugger hotline. I am itching to hear how I can fill the holes in your ego. Do you need a daddy? Daddy? Do you need a baby? (laughs) Do you have a child? Do you have a lover? Don't worry. Emotionalmugger.com can help. Stay on the line, and our next service representative will help you shortly
0: so I, I guess the question here uh for you is uh do you do you need a daddy do you need a baby because that's what that's what that's what Ty just asked us yeah. so. i do yeah okay um, anything else you want to say about the album before we uh close up shop
1: um no, I don't think so i think we i think we did a great job um covering it um <laughs> to pat to pat us on on the back, you know. Um, uh, I'm interested in hearing what you've picked and why for the second half here.
0: Okay, I'm not gonna say what I was going to pick. So I okay. had something I was I was almost surely locked into uh, about a week ago, and then I was doing some reading about this album. And one of the things I, I do is I write reviews for a website called The Waster, and I had reviewed Emotional Mugger. And so what I do after I submit a review, but never before, is I then read what other people are saying about it. So I, I read a review of this over at uh, Tiny Mixtapes, which is a website I don't uh, frequent all that often, but uh, and they compared it. They said that this is cocaine music and that Funkadelic is cocaine music. I, Funkadelic is acid music, and yeah. that's what I that's what I took Umbrage with, but I do think that there's a really interesting sonic comparison between this album and my favorite Funkadelic album, Maggot Brain. And so we're gonna be listening to Funkadelic's nineteen seventy three classic Maggot Brain <laughs> for next week. One, uh, do you, wonderful. Do you have any experience with Funkadelic? I,
1: I've listened to I've listened to that album once or twice.
0: Okay, sure. It's, I really, really enjoy it. And, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> I love I it 73? It's 71. 1971, the oh, album came out. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's very different than this. Uh, but I think that there is sort of a sonic similarity to it. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Input Output. We've had a week now to listen to our record for the second half of the show, Maggot Brain by Funkadelic from 1971. So we briefly touched on this last week that I had read a review of the uh, Ty... I've now heard it said on national TV as Ty Siegel. So... uh, (laughs) Rewind last week. Replace all the times we said Seagal with Siegel, and
1: that, um, that's your job.
0: Yeah, you no, I'm telling, I'm telling the listener to do that. You know, um, I'll I'll have a robot voice saying like Seagull. and just you know <laughs> <laughs> insert that on top of all the times you said it. But anyway, um, you know how somebody compared him to Funkadelic because they're both cocaine music. To which I said, no, this is you know clearly LSD music, and. But I, I do think that there's a certain intensity to Ty Siegel's music that fits in well with Funkadelic. And Maggot Brain is the album I know best by Funkadelic. Uh, it's the album I was introduced to first by them. I don't know if I still have it. It might be in the bowels of my closet. But for a while, I had a Funkadelic Maggot Brain t-shirt that had the cover of the album on the front. And on the back, That's it, spooky. on the back it said, free your mind and your ass will follow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh yeah, I'm a big big fan of this album, but I we'll talk about that in a minute. I want to hear Vince, what did you think of this album?
1: Oh, I loved it.
0: 3 for 3. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Actually, um I was telling you earlier today that I'm I'm really glad that you're the one picking these um these older albums and I'm picking the contemporary ones because I'd be probably trolling you every week. (laughs) Well,
0: (laughs) don't speak too soon, because next week might be an epic troll on my behalf, so we'll say.
1: All right. But actually, you've been doing a great job picking albums that that either I've heard before, but not in a while, or like never really dug into, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm really enjoying doing that. And, uh, you know, Maggot Brain, I, I had heard before, but um, to revisit it with the express purpose of actually digging into it, oh my god! Like I, I'm appreciating this music much more going through the process. So, mm-hmm. um, and this album was no different. I loved it.
0: So, um, what what first jumped out at you about it? Let's let's kind of start there.
1: Well, what first jumped out at me was how many how many parts of some of these songs I recognized whether because they were covered by other bands or because I remember them from Funkadelic themselves Mm -hmm. or because um, bits and pieces of them make it into like commercials and and movies and stuff. Right. And I I never really thought of them as a band. Obviously they're full of super talented people, but I've never thought of them as a band that like, had commercial like literal commercial appeal, you know, yeah but yeah you hear it and you're like, oh yeah okay, I've heard, sure I've heard these songs in TV shows and commercials and things like that too, so um that immediately jumped out, like how many parts of some of these songs I
0: recognized the um one of the moments of my life when I felt quasi hip was a couple years ago I was out uh with a friend of mine, and we had heard the song by Sleigh Bells, "Real Real."
2: Yeah. and that
0: i was like oh shit that sampling uh can you get to that by funkadelic and he was like how the fuck do you know that <laughs> i was like i love that it's from one of my favorite albums and uh and i feel like a lot of people know real real but probably don't know where that sample comes from
1: yeah no totally and 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 i'll be honest um hearing real real back when it came out I knew it was from, like, I knew I had heard that before. You well, know? Especially
0: because the rest of Slaybell's album is, like, a sonic kick to the face. Yeah. And Real, Real is this, like, very sweet kind of pop song. Not it sweet. Is. That's the wrong way to put it. But, you know. Well,
1: it sounds sweet.
0: Inside of the barrage of distortion, yeah. uh, yes, it sounds very really sweet.
1: but like like I just knew that I was from somewhere and then when I heard the opening to this when I listened to it again I was like oh my god there it is you know mm-hmm. they, like I immediately knew and it immediately made more sense to me because knowing that Funkadelic wrote that like of course they did because it's an amazing it is an amazing sound it's an amazing melody yeah like that's that's easily my favorite song on this album mm-hmm. um just because i think that 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 particular sound is, is incredible like it came it came from an alien planet or something like, well that's like so their whole pleasing. thing
0: yeah <laughs>
1: yeah but it's ple, you know it's pleasing like a lot of their stuff sounds like it comes from another world and and not that it's not that it's not good or um skillful or sounds interesting but it's not immediate, like, some of their stuff can be abrasive in parts, yes. you know, intentionally yes. so. Yes, and this is not they, at all
0: abrasive, this song.
1: Yeah, no, this that song is, like, so smooth. Oh,
2: my God. I want to know if you can get to that. I with a mixed emotions all of the time we used to have. But you were making preparations for the common separation. Your you with love and kisses, it? was uh
0: just a couple of years ago, I'm trying to figure out which album it's on now. Um it was covered by Mavis Staples on one of her Jeff Tweedy-produced solo records, mm-hmm. uh, the album One True Vine, and uh, you know she does a very, very nice job with it, too.
2: Well, I once had a life, or rather, life had me. I was the one among the many, or at least I seemed. Today. said you're gonna reap just what you sow the depths you make you have to pay can you get to that can you get I wanna know I wanna know if you can get to that can you get it's, uh, it's really a
0: marvelous song yeah, I
2: wanna song. know, I mean, I know it just, if you it's, can uh, get to
0: that it, it has that classic really low uh George Clinton vocal in the middle of it you know um the part about uh, sign your checks you sign with your love and kisses later come back signed insufficient funds, uh-huh. which is a great line, and it he sings it in that in that real low baritone, and it it just sounds great, and uh, I love the acoustic guitar part, everything about it is just a really really amazing uh, performance. But I I think we've gone too far without talking about the title track Brain, Obviously, uh, it's it, it's mainly instrumental. It begins with a spoken word. And then it goes into this extended guitar solo by Eddie Hazel, and the instruct the the, the long uh, rumored uh, instruction was that he should play like his mother. He just found that his mother died,
2: uh-huh.
0: and I mean it's one of the most emotional guitar solos I can I can remember.
1: sure it's it's one of um and and i and i remembered this even before i listened to the album um uh i i think that's one of the most iconic guitar solos ever yeah i mean i I mean it's recognizable it's got emotion you know like a guitar solo can be cool but like how many times has a solo that's really well-known and popular, like actually had like melancholy emotion to it, you know? Um,
0: and it's like 10 minutes long and yet it, it's eminently listenable.
1: Yeah. 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 Totally. Um. You almost, you almost don't need any of the words or anything that they, they add to it. Actually, I think there is a version cause I think the version I listened to didn't have that intro
0: yeah, there, there's a there's a second version on the album that's uh, like another ver like a, an alternate recording of it. Sure. And that doesn't have the uh, the intro.
1: Yeah, it's got a little bit of it's got something at the end where they he talks about a maggot brain, you know. But yeah. But like none of that opening stuff
0: and. Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time. Yeah, because you... y'all have knocked her up. Yeah, none of that.
1: Yeah. Um, uh. And I read, I read a thing about how, um, George Clinton heard that solo and he, he realized like, oh, we, we don't need much else in this song. Like that, that can take over the whole song and that's fine, you know? And it really does. It's really that incredible. I mean, it holds your attention the whole way. Absolutely. Uh, It's amazing. I've heard other bands, um cover that too like I know Pearl Jam Mike McCready from Pearl Jam did a did that live at least a couple times um, I used to be a huge Pearl Jam bootleg listener <laughs> um,
0: Actually, the, one of the first ways I found this album was on uh, Mike Watts' first solo album, Ball Hogger Tugboat, which I'm sure we'll listen to one day. Um, <laughs> oh. Jay, Jay Maskus from Dinosaur Jr. covers it. Sure. Oh, uh, which is. And then there's a uh, a Ween song called "A Tear for Eddie," named after Eddie Hazel, a guitar player from uh, Funkadelic who, who had passed away at that point. <laughs> Solos, uh, Blue Sky by the Allman Brothers. Hear a lot of that Eddie Hazel style in Dean Ween's playing, and Dean Ween is an incredible guitar player. So I definitely hear the influence there. Um, it's kind of a weird way to start an album, though. It is, but you know what? It's
1: I, I said, can you get to that? Is my favorite song on the album? I think Maggot Brain is the best song. Like mm-hmm. I think, I think right away they put their best song up front. They realized how strong that guitar solo was and they just did it you know <laughs> like yeah. these guys are so like musically keen it's amazing like they make all sorts of weird choices on this album and they're all the right ones yeah you know
0: <laughs> yeah i mean thinking about it, you know hey we're gonna start with a 10 minute nearly instrumental guitar solo yeah. and you know i was like what but it totally works and then can you get to that is as far left as you can get from Maggot Brain, and it just mm-hmm. it, that one-two punch is one of the best one-two punches I can think of.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And had it not been for this re-listen, I would not have known or, or remembered that. So. Well, that's good then. Yeah. So that I mean, if it were if it were just those two songs, that would be good enough for me. Yeah. But Brian. I wanna know what your other favorite songs are on this thing.
2: Is that, that your joke? My, that that's that was
1: joke? my bad joke.
0: That's your bit? Okay. Yeah, yep, that was the bit. That's a solid bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually think that the album progresses and almost in like, the perfect order of my favorite song, starting it off and then getting... Lower and lower, Uh Uh, and that's not to insult the songs at the end of the record, it's just it begins with to me four nearly perfect songs. Uh, hit it and quit it, the third song is this like beautiful little funk groove that, um, really really
2: works for me.
0: Eddie Hazel solo at the end of the song. And that's uh, sung by Bernie Worrell, who is a uh, a keyboard player who has has played with with dozens of people over the ages, um, but sort of has been one of the musicians closest linked with George Clinton for the last, you know, 40 years or so. Um, So that's, that's, that's next on the hit list for me. What's a song on the album that you really enjoy?
1: So so i I do kind of agree with your um th- what you said about how you know it starts up here and then sort of ramps downward
2: mm-hmm.
1: but but I think right at the end, the very last song, "I miss my baby uh-huh. is an amazing ballad like soul like soul ballad.
0: That wasn't even originally on the album.
1: No, no, it wasn't. Um, but it, it
0: totally works, you're right.
1: Those, those last two songs weren't, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so are we counting them or no? Yeah, we'll count them for this, okay. yeah, absolutely. And isn't that sung by Gary Scheider of United Soul? Or is Yes, that it is. A yeah, it is. Version of... Okay, I wasn't sure, but, oh man, his, I mean, he kills it. Yeah. Like, just on the strength of his voice alone... I mean, what a song, like just so soulful and I love it. So, so that like, yeah, this album definitely peaks at the, at the beginning and then, and then right away at the end or finally at the end, um, with a lot of good stuff in between. But I would say that that's my, you know, if can you get to that and maggot brain are my favorites, that would probably come in third. Um, Although it's a little less experimental compared to everything else, no, but it
0: it, it still absolutely works. Yeah, um, yeah. The original album is only uh, seven tracks long, but the first track was over ten minutes, and the last track was over nine minutes. So it's sure it, it, it's still a pretty proper LP length, um, you know, even with only seven sa- seven songs. Um, but the the last song on, on side one is uh, "You and Your Folks, Me and My Folks," and you know it's a song I had I had heard many times listened to the album but I'd never really dug into it before and doing some research on it it's uh the song's refrain is taken from a uh like an old uh, I'm I'm not using this term disparagingly this is what it's called a, a Negro folk rhyme
3: and um
0: it's a very similar message to the one in the song but they they obviously modernize it and it's a nice little bit of connecting sort of the um you know the the, the roots of 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 funk and soul music with a current modern folk funk sound uh-huh. uh, i think it's a very cool song and again it, it's one that i i was familiar with from having heard the record a lot of times but i never really dug into it until until this listen Sure, um, but I, I really, uh, I really enjoy it. Um, let's kind of get to one of the bigger themes of of the conversation surrounding funkadelic and Parliament. And I guess we should also say that George Clinton was the founder of a band called the Parliaments. Parliament split up into kind of two factions parliament and funkadelic and uh funkadelic was sort of the more um rock and roll experimental branch whereas parliament was like a straight up funk band um And so this is uh, this you know when they get psychedelic they're not they we're not using that term just metaphorically you know there was a lot of LSD going on a, a lot of drugs going on at this time um, does the album sound particularly druggy to you oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: sometimes overtly um,
0: absolutely yeah
1: you got super stupid which is essentially about fucking up while buying drugs right yeah <laughs> um, um which is it's kind of a funny song but also um it's pro- it's probably very real you know I mean- something like that but <laughs> but sounds legit to yeah. me. <laughs> and uh and yeah definitely um uh wh- one thing i noted here was back in our minds okay uh-huh. the sixth tr- sixth track yeah
0: um that has that great uh jews harp part that starts the song yes yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and i'm pretty sure there's xylophone being played mm-hmm um, which is like the second album I think we've listened in to. a row, yeah. yeah, in a row that had zylo- heavy xylophone use on it. Um, but that song in particular sounds like a party is going on in the studio. Oh,
0: absolutely, yeah. Like,
1: and it's great. Like, it sound, like it sounds so vibrant, you know. joining in at different times um, just given this really like positive vibe you know but like also one where you can imagine like everybody is high and tapping into something yeah <laughs> like <laughs> you know, know knowing what you know you, you totally see it or hear it of course you know? yeah um, and then and then Wars of Armageddon is like which is the the next track and I think the original last track yes uh, that's like 10 minutes long yeah <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but to me that song almost sounds like somebody somebody uh uh went into a bad trip at that point <laughs> yeah. you know like like the, tri- it, the it trip it certainly emulates bad. that yeah
0: yeah yeah kind um, of those sounds coming in from all over the place like the air there's some airport code in there and there's uh you know there's
1: just, sounds like protest chants
0: yeah and a bunch yeah. of just like blood curling screams at one point yep yep
1: the laugh track i believe gets played a couple times yeah And that is a really sprawling, bizarre s- song, but, um, it's not as, it's not as like replayable or listenable as maggot brain, but it's a nice bookend absolutely to it, I think. Yeah. Um, and also I, I totally agree with two of its messages here, which are, um, uh, power to the pussy, mm-hmm. which yeah, <laughs> totally thumbs up yep. and then, and then pussy to the people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Which is also another thumbs up. So I yeah. agree with both of those.
0: You can't argue at those positions. No, you really can't.
1: Nope. So so you know they got me. <laughs> the song may sound like an an awesome, beautiful train wreck, but I totally buy in.
0: <laughs> um, before we get too far away from super stupid, I I just I don't know if you saw this on the Wikipedia page or not. What group? What band from like the early aughts? Audio slave. Oh fuck, you knew it already. I was nope. gonna say
1: And I knew I knew that from listening to way too much audio slave. <laughs> Did you really?
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. In fact I was gonna mention that. I've got it in my notes here so I will defend them. I will defend. I will even defend their last album, which nobody likes. Oh, okay. We might have to have a. um, If we're gonna have a Clash versus Smiths episode someday, Uh we might have to have an Audio Slave versus some bad band that you like.
0: Which band can I choose? There's so many. All right, hang on. (laughs) Uh, uh, Okay, you're gonna pick Audio Slave. I want to find. Okay, I got mine. I, well, you gotta pick an Audio Slave album to defend.
1: Um, whatever that last one was I don't remember the name of it, but uh whatever their last
0: one was. Okay, I'm gonna defend the album by Talk Show. Do you know who Talk Show is? I've heard of them, but I don't think I could tell you like any of their songs. It's or what three quarters name. of Stone Temple Pilots with a different singer. Oh sure. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I saw them open for the Foo Fighters in October of '97. Awesome. And uh, Dean DeLeo came out in between their set and the Foo Fighters set to give us the score of the Yankees game. Was they were in the playoffs at that point? Oh, that's nice. It was kind of a cool. thing. It was like I, I'm I'm not a Yankee fan, but it was kind of cool being in the room and he's walked out. and be like you know, Yankees are up two one, whatever it was, and the place just exploding. It was you know, it was like <laughs> a nice little moment. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll have to do that Audio Slave v talk show. Audio slave, very talk show. Uh, that's a very deep reference for our DC three fans out there.
1: Yeah, that's there's 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 like a point five percent crossover there. Yeah, for people to get that joke.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's kind of pull back a little bit here. Are you somebody who? Um, and one of the things I think that's good about both of of our musical tastes is it, it seems like we're both willing to give a lot of different things a shot. Yeah, but I don't know if you listen to a lot of funk in general. It's it's not my most played genre in the house. Let's put it that way. Um, Do you listen to a lot of funk?
1: Um, I'm not I'm not gonna pretend. I'm not gonna like be pretentious and try to pretend that I do. Mm -hmm. But um, but I will say this. Um, when I do give it a chance. I find some, I find it to be some of the most rewarding music I'll listen to. Um, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. Go more like, into that. Like, what part of it's rewarding for you?
1: Well, first of all, I think there's something so inherently listenable about it. You know, like, like I was listening to this album at work today a little bit, and I was like, This sounds so embarrassing and white, but I was like, (laughs) I was like grooving in my seat a little, you know? Okay. And you don't get that from like the normal sad bastard indie stuff that I listen to, you know, like, (laughs) like singer songwriter stuff tends to be my probably most listened to genre. But there's something about funk that like when I when I do listen to a funk album, or even like a jazz album. Like I just, I, I can get so into it, you know, but mm-hmm. it's not a genre that I do much exploring in, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but I find it very rewarding. Like this album, Um. returning to it after a long time. I mean, I forgot like how pleasing most of these songs are, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're just good to listen to. It's, it's a lot of different instruments clearly talented people making a lot of interesting choices. Um, And I think in funk, that comes together and, and makes something so, like, something you can just groove along to, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that funk, for me, is a genre that I prefer in conjunction with another genre. Like, I like it when a rock band has funk elements, or a jazz band has funk elements, or a hip-hop song samples a great funk song, uh-huh. I, I'm much less inclined to just pick up a funk album. But that's not to say there aren't funk albums I really enjoy. You know, this one is obviously one of them. Although this to call this a funk album is sort of disingenuous. There are funk elements to it, but it's really something different than that.
1: Yeah. You know, it is, but... It is, but I do think every song has heavy funk in well I know what you're saying it's it's more experimental than you usually yeah yeah
0: yeah um and uh when I uh, on my 29th birthday uh Funkadelic was playing a free concert in New York City uh during the day and so while my wife was at work I went and hung out with George Clinton <laughs> and watched uh, a Parliament Funkadelic show and they they did Maggot Brain, mm-hmm. they did Can You Get To That, and they did uh, Hit It and Quit It,
2: mm.
0: which is pretty pretty awesome. I think, at least that's, my memories of the show are that they did those songs. Sure. <laughs> Whether or not they did it, I'm actually going to see if I can find the set list here. Um. Uh, But yeah, I um, the band is like comically large on stage. Sure. You know, um, they make
1: Arcade Fire look like a a, a duo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and
0: they had um, like guys with like in cost, like in these giant costumes, of uh, like giant heads passing around a blunt like the size of a bicycle. Mm. Um, so like you know, there's a lot of like weird imagery. But again, like yeah, you know, the, the fucking band just come out with a spaceship on stage. Sure. You know, uh, so it's it's not the most it's not the craziest thing you've ever you've ever seen because they've done so much crazier. But it was um it was really interesting because it's also one of those things like I I don't know how many um like hip hop shows you've been to when it's it's a a group with a large entourage, but it it felt like they uh, like half the people on stage were doing nothing at any given time.
2: Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: And that's very much how it felt. Uh, you know when I was uh when I was there, but it was also a lot of fun, and I, I went by myself, which is you know I I usually don't mind going to concerts by myself, but I feel like when um it was like my birthday, and it's a band that like you kind of want to dance to, and I couldn't dance to it. Yeah. Uh, you You'd know, have been that guy. Yeah, and there was a guy there. Who looks? Who looked a lot like my father in law, (laughs) like just, just just like freaking the fuck out to the music, and uh, I didn't want to be that guy, you know. So, no, yeah. Uh, Any other notes you want to talk about with the record? Um,
1: no, I think we covered. uh, I think we covered pretty much everything I wanted to cover. Um, one thing I did that we didn't mention that I do have written down here is um, so there, there is obviously a lot of drug influence on this album, Mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of, um, not, not that these two things are like necessarily clashing in any way, but, um, there, there is a lot of that good, like late sixties, early seventies sense of like social responsibility on the album too. Absolutely. You know, um, which produced a lot of really great music during that time period. And, it's really, um, it's really positive. I mean, aside from, from Wars of Armageddon, which I'm not sure whether that's positive or negative, you know,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: for the most part, the album is really, really positive, you know, like it, it makes you feel good about whatever they're singing about, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and if there's a hopefulness to it, I kind of, I think, um, and the social awareness that, again, we we talked about this when, um, when we talked about, uh, Black Star, mm-hmm. the um, the Talib Kweli and Mostef album.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but uh, some of these songs contain things that like, you might as well cue them up again for today, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, do you agree? Like, Oh, absolutely. Like, if you think about you and your folks, me and my folks, that can mean a lot of things, you know? But considering that they're pulling from, like, old folk rhymes or, or poems or whatever, um, much the same way that Blackstar did, um, by the way, uh, you know, there's a definite, like, racial slash class equality message there, you know? And without getting too political, like I can't believe we're still having those discussions. Right. Yeah. 2016, you know, and you listen to this and you're like, Oh my God, this is the same stuff that we're dealing with today. Yeah. 45 years ago, 45 years ago, like this same thing applies and, and, and good on Funkadelic for making such good music out of it. Um, um.
0: Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, you know, I have dabbled in other parts of Funkadelic's catalog, but there's it's one of those bands I feel like where there's just so much out there huh. that you kind of need like that that guidepost to get you there. And so this was the album that I was drawn to for a number of reasons, and it's an album I listened to, you know. Hundred times, but I've never really delved into more of their stuff. So, hopefully, um, this will inspire me to go and check out at least the albums directly surrounding it. Because you would think, if I like this one, there's a good chance I'm gonna like one of the other ones in the same general ballpark. Uh-huh. So, um, anyway, we we have we have kept our listeners in suspense for long enough. What is the next album we're going to listen to, which is uh your pick for next week's for episode number 4?
1: Yes. Yes. So um so it's going to be the uh the first official pitchfork 30 out of 10 <laughs> grade that's ever been given out. Um we're going to listen to Kanye West the life of pablo
3: you say they never saw this coming well you're not alone million dollar renovations to a happy home my ex says she gave me the best years of her life i saw a recent picture of her i guess she was right i wake up accessing the damages checking media takeout. out pictures of me drunk walking out with a bitch but it's blurry enough to get the fake out i wake up all veggies no eggs i hit the gym all chest no legs yeah Then I made myself a smoothie Then me and wifey make a movie Chicago, St. Louis, St. Louis to Chicago Underlay, underlay, E-I-E-I Uh-oh, you had me driving fire enough to switch the time zone You was the best of all time at the time, though Yeah, you wasn't mine, though But I still drove 30 hours I still drove 30 hours to you. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited to get you? I am too. Um, how do you,
1: uh, I, we'll get into this more more next time, but uh, how do you feel about, about Kanye and his music in general, or, or up to this point?
0: Um, I'm very glad that Kanye West is out there. Because I feel like we'd have to invent him if he wasn't, <laughs> in, in, in a lot of ways. But no, I um, I was. When did the college dropout come out?
1: Oh, that would have been. I think I was probably in high school yet,
0: 2000... 2003, three, two thousand four, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have either been as a senior in college, or I think I was a senior in college when it came out, or maybe maybe just out of college. And um, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed his first three albums, I think, for the same reasons a lot of people did. It was just, it was, it was like, you know, good, fun, commercial hip hop. And then the wheels came off. (laughs) And that's when I really started to enjoy him musically. Uh, I I like the chances he takes. And I think he's a pretty, uh, pretty singular type of guy in the music industry right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I, I think I thought you were going to go one way with that, and then you went another, which I think we end up agreeing on. Um, um, I think he's insanely talented, and uh, and I like pretty much everything he's done. Um, uh, I thought, well, we'll get into this more more next time, but Jesus, um, his last album was like a big swing for the fences that ultimately missed for Mm -hmm. me. Whereas I wouldn't say that about any of his other albums. So it'll be interesting to see how he recovered. Now that was a critically acclaimed album, nonetheless. It's just that I, I didn't feel that. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this one because I'm, I'm hoping for a recovery. But based on some of the things that he
0: tweets, I'm not sure
1: <laughs> that that's possible.
0: See, um, I wish that we had. I wish that I had better planned this out because I actually don't own all that many Kanye records. Mm-hmm. What do I own? I own um, "Watch the Throne," "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy," and then I have somewhere. Uh I think I have the his first three on C D that aren't in my iTunes library yet. Like I just that okay. haven't been imported yet. Um but like you know, I'm familiar with 808s and Heartbreaks and uh and Yeezus, but I don't I don't own those records. And I kinda wish I had spent like the last few weeks going back and listening to everything. Uh-huh. Th- I think that would have been really interesting to see to kind of chart the evolution in real time.
1: I challenge you to do that. <laughs> You can hear them all on title. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a conversation for next week too. Oh title. Title tra-
1: music, people.
0: I'm trying to think if title is the Zune of <laughs> of streaming services or the Pono of streaming services. <laughs> T-
1: on a technical aspect, I think it is the pono, yeah of but really, it's more like the Jeb Bush <laughs> of the streaming game that threw a lot of money at it,
0: please clap,
1: but it's, please, please clap <laughs> <laughs> you
0: saw what Trump did yesterday with his website, right? Yes, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah brilliant. Brilliant! I have to, I have
0: to applaud Trump for that. That's, that's crazy.
1: Hey, he, hey, he is the best high school bully that there's ever been.
0: I will agree with that. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, the absolute best. Anyway, uh, if, if there are any high school bullies out there who want to cyber bully us, you can find <laughs> both of us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Brian needs a nap.
1: I am at J E B B U S H.
0: Which instantly directs to at V J <laughs> underscore Ostrowski, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> See what I did there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very, very good.
2: Very nice.
0: And uh, until next week, hit it and quit it, folks.